Hallelujah. It's the Father's good pleasure to give unto his children the kingdom. And so this morning we greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior Jesus. In the absence of our pastors this morning, we just want to extend a welcome to all of the first-time visitors that may be here with us this morning. We would ask that you would just fill out a communication card to um, let us contact you and send you a gift in the mail and let you know that you're always welcome to come and worship with us here at High Street Worship Center. And by way of announcements, we still have some books downstairs that are free for you to be able to um, select any that you would choose for your uh, spiritual edification. So after service, you can go downstairs and look over what's on the, um, on the tables. And next Sunday, we're having a guest minister, Rabbi Felix, who's a Messianic Jewish believer who has an awesome testimony that you don't want to miss. So tell your friends and neighbors and families, and if you know any Jewish people that are willing to come to hear this man of God's testimony, we invite all to come and to uh, listen to his ministry um, next week. So I believe there's another announcement for the men's ministry that Brother Dave is going to give right now. Good morning, church. God is good all the time and every day. I just want to say the, the men haven't met for a long time since before the pandemic. And the first thing we're going to do is we're going to try to get a little men's thing going again because men have issues in life and men have a tendency to keep those issues to themselves. And the only way the men are going to do some of these things is if they get together as men and talk, talk as men. So the first step we're going to do this, this same Sunday is next week with the rabbi coming. We're going to meet after church, the men. So a little one o'clock, there's a one o'clock football game. The Eagles are playing. San Francisco 49ers. We're going to have a. We're going to have a. We're going to have a quick meeting before the game. That we're going to meet and watch the game downstairs at one o'clock. We're going to have a couple of pizzas, pizzas available for us. So we can have a little food while we're there. But uh, it's for the men. We're going to get together. We're going to have a little talk about what the men can do together, to uh, to communicate together, to share God's word. It's not going to be as elaborate as our Super Bowl thing we had a couple of years ago. That was, <laughs> that was really good and really fun. But we're going to try to start talking to the men, find out what the men want to do together as a group. Men can communicate because men are, men are part of the kingdom. All right. So uh, we want to hear the pastor, um, Brother Bray preach. So I'm going to get out of the way. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Well, I'm excited about that. Praise the Lord. I'm going to stay in the spirit because I'm an Eagles fan and I feel that much prayer is needed for the team. So <laughs> with that being said, hallelujah. Brother Mike had prayed something. And I want to segue into our message this morning because God has a good and perfect will for our lives. When he brought Israel out from Egypt, they were the littlest, the smallest among nations. But he said he wanted to bring them out to demonstrate his goodness as a light to other nations. And you and I, we have a direct purpose from God to be used in this time that we're alive right now. And so we, we take encouragement with knowing that God has a good will for us. Sometimes life deals a blow to us. 
but it's not necessarily the will of God that's being expressed. In other words, bad things try to happen to us, but the Bible says he can make all things work together for our good because we love him and are called according to his purpose. So with that being said, we're ready to go into the word of God now. Don't plan on trying to be long, but the word of God is to be meaningful and to enrich our lives. We want to continue in a series that we've been ministering on, Why Pray? And so this is Why Pray Part 3. But in that, why do we continue to speak on this subject because of the inspiration of the Spirit of God? And the fact that we do need to pray, as long as we're in this life, we're going to need to pray. There's always going to be something that we need to pray about, if not for our own lives, for other people. And so there are truths that God wishes to embed within us. The last time we shared, we spoke about the adversary. And so now there are things that we had to stand in the spirit against for the adversary doing. But then there's that dimension that touches on us. You know, years ago, and I may be telling my age, there was a comedian who would always come forth and said, the devil made me do it. Well, once we bind the devil and rebuke him, that leaves us in our flesh. And in that, there's a dimension that we have to make a decision, like the Word of God says, to mortify the deeds of the flesh, to make a decision to walk in righteousness. And so when we're looking at this uh, passage of Scripture today, we want to look at our responsibility in prayer. And so we're going to be reading, starting off with Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 to 11. And I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 11. I invite, with you to, I invite you to read along with me as it's on the overhead. Matthew chapter 7, beginning with verse 1, says, Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give that which is holy to the dogs, nor cast your, your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Let's take a moment and pray. Father, we thank you this morning that the entrance of your word brings light. We ask you to give light to we, your ecclesia here on the earth. Edify us by the inspiration of your word, by the enlightenment of the Holy Spirit. Change us, God, and make us better than when we walked in these doors for your honor and glory. We give you all praise this day in Jesus' name. Amen. Our responsibility in prayer. Jesus says a whole lot of 
profound statements. And in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is really simplistic. There are profound things that are said, but it's really simplistic. What do I mean by that? It takes men to complicate things. You can take something that's simple that you can find in the Far East that people use to make uh, tapestry and other things, and then you give it to somebody who's a Western culture, they have to break it down into 15 parts and establish a school to teach people how to use it. Well, the kingdom of God is very simple. It says, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. And we have so many different splinter groups of Christianity today because we've gotten to the point that we've complicated matters. People want to argue about different ordinances that are in the word of God. But we can look at the example of the thief on the cross who was stretched between heaven and earth, who was immobilized. He couldn't move his hands or his feet, but he did one thing. He professed that he believed that Jesus was Lord. And Jesus said to him, this day I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. He wasn't passing out tracts. He didn't go around and do things. In fact, he was on the cross being crucified because he committed transgression. But Jesus forgave him. And so the simplicity of the gospel is that if we believe on the Lord, he will save us. And so Jesus, in opening up this passage in Matthew chapter 7, begins to let us know some things that segue into the aspect about prayer when we look at verse 7 and 8 about asking. But Jesus highlights from verse 1 to verse 6 and letting us know that one of the responsibilities that we have as far as prayer is to make sure that our hearts are clear before the Lord. In other words, if we have unforgiveness and we have bitterness, that actually contain our prayers. That can interfere with us being able to pray the way that God wants us to pray. And so Jesus addresses some of these things when we're looking at those verses. And we need to know what we are praying for is inside the boundaries of the word of God. So in other words, the word of God the character of God and God's timing. We need to understand that what we're praying for is within inside of those boundaries. Now, if you'll allow me to just be foolish for one second, if I was to come and say I want prayer that I could be the biggest crime lord on the East Coast, you know that's not the will of God. We need money, pray that I can go and rob a bank, you know that's not the will of God. But for things that are within inside of the will of God, to have a good place to live, to have a job, to have a relationship to be repaired, those things are within inside the boundaries of the word of God. Then the character of God comes in there. Are we, are we, is this going to help us to walk in God's love? Is, is this something that is going to give him glory? Those are character aspects about God. But then one area that we stumble at sometimes is about God's timing. You see, we can ask for things before it's ready to be given to us. And just like a piece of fruit that's not ready to be eaten, we can try to receive things before God's time. But God's timing is also another aspect about prayer that we have to wait on the Lord. Like I said earlier, we get to be so much in a rush. We rush into work and rush back home and rush to do this. And now we have phones that we can instant uh, message people and other things instantly. But the things of God. Jesus said, if we don't understand the seed principle, we don't understand the kingdom of God. What happens with the seed? You plant it. It takes time to germinate, and then eventually a plant sprouts up. So nobody plants anything in their garden, and then comes out the next day and expects a full plant to be there. It doesn't work like that. And so in things that God will respond to us in prayer, there's a timing 
that needs to be recognized that we have to yield and say, God, in your time, let this be so. And so if we're clear on all of those areas, then we're able to wait. But one foundational piece makes us to get antsy, to be like Peter after Jesus had plainly said, I'm going to appear before you and go before you into Galilee. Peter, when Jesus had, was reputed to have rose from the dead, we know that he did. He said, I'm going back to fishing. Jesus had already told him, I want to make you fishers of men. But he reverted back to that. Why? He got antsy. And he spent all that time and tried to fish and didn't catch anything. And so we can get impatient and we can try to do things and not waiting on God, but there's a certain time that God's going to manifest certain things in our life. But one foundational piece that we need to have covered in, 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 in the subject about praying to God, we have to be convinced. We have to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, God loves us. If we're not convinced of that, we'll look for the next workaround. And, and everybody is understanding what a workaround is. This plan didn't work, so we go to plan B or plan C. But when God had Jesus to be incarnated, Jesus was, is God and he's eternal. But when he came in flesh, he had the angels to proclaim in the shepherd's hearing, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. He didn't say, I declare war. He expressed his love by sending Jesus. The word of God says that Jesus was slain before the foundation of the world so that God had in his heart that he wanted to still relate to you and I. And even though he knew the man was going to sin, he made a way for us to be reconnected back to him. So if we are not convinced about God's love, then that's not going to, that's going to help us. That's going to make us not want to wait on God. Then we can say, well, we, we know God loves us, but is he willing to? But that's where we have to come back to what Jesus said here. In verse 7 and verse 8 of Matthew chapter 7, it says, Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened unto you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. There is that aspect of God as a father that he's going to say, there's a certain time for you to have what you pray for. Now, those of us who are parents in here, let me ask you a question. If you have a new car that you bought and you want to take care of, are you going to give it to your five-year-old to try to drive it out there on the road? Five-year-old child is not ready to drive that car. But once the child is mature, once the child has a valid license and a permit, you then allow that child to be able to drive it. So then that's the same way in the kingdom of God. There's certain timings in which God has prayer to be manifested in answers, and we have to wait on him. But we have to be convinced and know God loves us, and he is willing to give to us the kingdom. That's what Jesus said in verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? He didn't say less. He said, God, the Father is going to do more who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him. That may not be the right job. That may not be the right person. That may not be the right friend. That may not be the right house. But we have to pray and say, God, not my will, but your will be done and lead me and trust him that he's going to lead us. The reason why we have to do this is what he said in Jeremiah. 
He said, the thoughts that I have for you are thoughts of peace and not evil. And going back to what I mentioned about Israel, he wanted Israel to be showcased before the nations as an example. He had a better will for them in mind than what they had for themselves. They were used to Egypt, to the slavery, to the cucumbers and the leeks. And God said, I wanted to lead you to a land that was flowing with milk and honey. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all we can ask or think. He has a greater will than what we can even fathom for ourselves, but we have to trust him. Knowing that he's willing, knowing that he loves us, we then have to wait upon him. Now, there's a big problem that the church has today. I'm saying the church universal. It's not just us here at High Street Worship Center. It's the whole body of Christ. We can get to a point in trying to live and move in God and and pray and do things that we can shift over to a dimension that God does not want us to shift over. And when we're seeking for things of God, we mean well, but we can become very legalistic. What do I mean by legalistic? The word of God says in John 1.17 that the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. If we allow ourselves to pay attention to cliches, things that we've come up with, that can create a stronghold of expectation in our mind that actually is countering the grace of God. What do I mean by that? A couple of examples. People will often say the statement about God helps those that help themselves. But when we go to the word of God and look in Ephesians, the second chapter, it says that we were dead in trespasses and sin. Christ died for the ungodly. So how does a dead person have the ability to be able to help themselves? They can't. It's the grace of God. There's also a statement that amidst a certain ethnic group that they say, when America has a cold, we have pneumonia. But the Bible says the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. If we allow our minds to settle for what is natural-based wisdom and expectation, we can then frustrate God's ability to be able to bring in his grace in our life, answer our prayer, because we set our expectation according to that which is natural and carnal instead of that which is spiritual of what God's word says. So in looking at something, coming back to the church, of dealing with legalism, I want to look at a passage of scripture that's in Luke, the 13th chapter, verses 10 through 16. And it gives an instance about Jesus and him ministering in the synagogues on the Sabbath day. And I'm going to begin reading with verse 10. It says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a woman who had a spirit of infirmity 18 years and was bent over and could in no wise raise herself up. But when Jesus saw her, he called her to him and said to her, woman, you are loose from your infirmity. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight and glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said to the crowd, there are six days in which men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath day. The Lord then answered him and said, hypocrite, does not each one of you on the Sabbath lose his ox or donkey from the stall? and lead it away to water it? So ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan has bound, think of it, for 18 years, be loose from this bond on the Sabbath? 
The woman came to church. The woman was present. And Jesus had compassion on her situation. And the scripture said very plainly that the enemy had bound her for 18 years. Not 18 days, 18 months, 18 years. And now the spiritual leader in this church, being very legalistic, gets offended because the Lord touched her and healed her, but he healed her on the Sabbath day. So now this ruler wanted everything to run smoothly, to operate according to the program that they had. But if we don't recognize that God loves people and uses things instead of loving things and uses people, we're going to miss it. And so in this legalism, this ruler, with indignation, it says, there's six days in which men ought to be healed. And the Bible doesn't say that, not even in the Old Testament. It says, come on those days and not on the Sabbath. Why? Because this person had taken what God said and they went to an extreme. They went to an extreme and said, God doesn't want anything done on the Sabbath. God doesn't want us to violate anything. And this goes back into the New Testament time of how the Pharisees, that sect was created. The Pharisees were a religious group that were formed after Israel got freed from Babylonian captivity. Actually, the Babylonian exile, which then the Persians took over, and under the Persian reign, Israel came back into the land. But the Pharisees said this inside of themselves. They said, we fear getting under God's judgment again. And to make sure that we don't get under God's judgment again, we're going to make sure we don't make God angry. Notice the emphasis of fear about God, not love and reverence, about fear of God. And so they began to add to what was written and took it to an extreme that God never meant for that to be taken. This ruler said something here about there's six days in which men ought to be healed. God wants to heal everybody on any given day. He didn't put any restriction there. And when this ruler said that, he was being legalistic. And we as a church can get into legalism and we can stifle the spirit of God and the grace of God. People being all bent out of shape because you put the offering basket on one side of the pulpit or the other, or you didn't come in the right door. Things that are secondary to our salvation. God was more concerned about this woman being loosed from an infirmity that she had for 18 years, but this ruler was more concerned about his protocol, program, form, and fashion rather than having compassion for a life being taken out of Satan's hands. Rather, he wanted his program to go on. That is sin, and the church of Jesus Christ needs to repent for that when we put those things before the lives of people. Jesus came that we might have life and have it more abundantly. And if legalism gets involved in our prayers, then we start doing something that Jesus addressed in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, judge not that ye be not judged. People start looking at circumstances that are going on in people's lives and saying, you know what? This happened to them because God don't like ugly. Cliches like that. And we can see from the book of Job and coming into modern day time that the righteous can be persecuted against by the forces of darkness, but it doesn't mean they did something wrong. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 3.12 that all those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
That word there in the Greek means to pursue or to follow hard after. Seems like, wow, we join on a prayer call or we come on Sunday morning and pray or we are praying a Saturday morning or we did good for somebody in the church and all of a sudden, seems like all hell tries to bust loose. Why? Is that the hand of God? No, it's the enemy trying to pursue you because you're doing the will of God. That's why we have to pray. That's why we have to be sober and vigilant and pray for each other. The Bible says, bear one another's burdens and thus fulfill the law of Christ. As soon as we hear that somebody is in need, we ought to be compassionate and pray for them. This is an abomination in the ears of God. For prayers to be crafted to say, we believe that person needs to be humble. So now we start to pray and say, Lord, put calamity in their way. Trip them up, Lord God. Blow their tires at least in Jesus' name. The word of God says in the book of James that we are to bless and curse not. That's folly for us to do that. And that's not prayer. That's not correct prayer. The heathen may pray that way, not the ecclesia of God, not the saints of God. We're not to pray that way. We're not to judge and we're not to curse. The Bible says very plainly, all those that live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Well, Jesus took care of that ruler and he let him know, you're being a hypocrite. You have more compassion on animals than you do on a human being. Something's wrong with that. Nothing wrong with taking care of animals, but man was made in the image of God and Jesus came to die for men and women that we can go on to be with him. He wants us to love one another as he loved us. That's the word of God. Attacks can happen to us because we're following the Lord. Now, I want to bring up another passage of scripture from the Old Testament, from Deuteronomy chapter 25, getting back to Israel as a shadow of the church. This was in their experience when God brought them out of Egypt. In Deuteronomy 25, beginning at verse 17, it says, Remember what Amalek did to you on the way as you were coming out of Egypt, how he met you on the way and attacked your rear ranks, all the stranglers at your rear when they were tired and weary, and he, and he did not fear God. Therefore it shall be, when the Lord your God has given you rest from your enemies all around and the land which the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, that you will blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven, you will not forget. Let me explain about Amalek. The name Amalek means without a king. And these people were nomadic people. But when God brought Israel out of Egypt, the cloud was leading them out the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. It was plainly seen. But these people who were a type of the spirit of rebellion looked at that cloud in the midst of Israel and said, we don't care. We're going to attack them anyway. And just like the devil, he will come from the rear and attack those who are weary, who are worn, who are feeble to try to bring them down. You do something godly and then the devil comes after your kids. You do something godly and all of a sudden the gossip chain starts at work or something tries to happen in your neighborhood. That's a manifestation of the devil. And that's why we need to pray to stand against that. But recognize being in Christ Jesus doesn't make you exonerated from attacks. The word of God said, no weapon that's formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises you against you in judgment is condemned in Jesus' name. Amalek was a symbol 
of that rebellious spirit of the adversary that will come behind and try to undercut anybody who's pursuing the will of God. They were going in the direction that God wanted them to go in towards the promised land, but the devil still had that nation to attack them. We have to recognize that now. Good things that God has laid on our hearts for even operation inside of High Street Worship Center. And all of a sudden, thoughts have come across. Well, you know, this person thinks this about me and this, this, that, or whatever. Trying to bring about division, trying to bring about something to undercut our ability to be able to be in right communion with God. Because what will that affect? That's going to affect our prayer life. We're not going to be able to pray and receive answers from God when we're holding ought against one another. But that's what the adversary tries to do. If he can't get us to directly deny God, he's going to try to spoil something else about us so that we end up cursing ourselves. Remember Balaam? Balaam was that prophet that the nation of Moab hired to curse Israel. And he found out that he couldn't curse Israel. God wasn't going to honor it. So what did Balaam do? He taught Moab how to teach Israel how to curse themselves. And God then was stifled from being able to move in their midst. And that's what he does with us. The wagon of the tongues, the prayers that are not really prayers, that are curses, he tried to get us to move over into judgments and other things, and it ends up stifling our prayer life. God has a high calling for his ecclesia. That's you and I. And do you realize that from the book of Ephesians, the fourth chapter, we often say that Pastor Paul and other ministers of the gospel, they're called into the ministry. But guess what? The word of God says the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher was given for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. The work of the ministry is on the body. They're given as gifts to us. And the ministry is the edifying of the body of Christ. We witness other people. We express love to each other. We continue to pray for one another. That's the ministry. And guess what? All of us are called to that. If you know the name of Jesus, you're in the ecclesia, his called out chosen ones. He wants us to be free to be able to communicate with him in prayer, having no hindrances in our heart and recognizing that when opposition comes, it's not a sign of God's denial. It just means that the adversary is at work. So what are we called to do? Having done all to stand, we stand. Last time we shared, we had a picture of the Roman soldiers holding up their shields. The Bible says we lift up the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the wicked. But saints, we don't need to have our tongues to be set on fire of hell that we're throwing darts at each other. If we keep that clear, the purpose that God has for all of us being together, the effect in the community as well as in our family lives, the glory of God is going to go before us, and God is going to do miraculous things. So why? Why do we pray? Our responsibility with prayer, to keep our hearts clear before him. We want to resist legalism. We don't want to put things before people. We want to flow with the Spirit of God. And anything that the Spirit of God leads is going to be in line with the written word of God. It's also going to be in line with the authority that God has set up by his word. And we have to remember, adversaries are there, but Jesus is the greater one. Jesus is the greater one. So be encouraged today. 
Don't give up on being a part of God's ecclesia. Don't isolate yourself like a Samson. Samson got offended at his brethren who tied him up and gave him to the Philistines. And the next thing you know, he's co-inhabiting with the Philistines. That isolation spirit will come on us and will separate us. But when separation comes, that means we're out there by ourselves. We don't want to be that way. We want to stay together in Jesus' name. So in this, we need to pray. We want to lift up High Street Worship Center. We want to pray for the body of Christ in general. We want to keep our pastors lifted up in prayer because the enemy would try to target them, would try to target you and I. But you know what? If we band together, as the Word of God said, and we lift up the shield of faith to the Lord, no weapon that's formed against us will prosper. And every tongue that rises against us in judgment is condemned in Jesus' name. And so I'm going to invite all of you right now, your own free will. If you want to stand and just have a moment where you're just going to utter a prayer before the Lord, a praying for those that are here in the sanctuary, lift up your families, lift up our pastors. We just want to go before the Lord in a, in a short time of prayer right now and just with one voice and just lifting up before the Lord. That happened in the book of Acts where they all lifted up their voice in prayer before the Lord, and it's recorded what God heard, but they all blended together in spirit, and that's the part about being the ecclesia that we can operate in. This is a time, saints, that we need to pray. There's so much turmoil that's in the world, but that's why Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. We want to resist that spirit of legalism, but we want to flow in that agape love of God. And so I invite all those who want to pray with us right now just to stand to your feet. Let's just lift up our voice before the Lord. Let's just ask the Lord just to bless this church, bless our families, bless our pastors right now. We just want to take about a minute and just lift up our voice, and then we're just going to have a formal time of prayer. But let's just lift up our voice before the Lord right now. Let's just cry out to him. You're priests of God. You're ministers of God. You're called in the ministry. God wants to hear your voice. God does receive your voice. If there's any unconfessed sin, just confess it and forsake it and allow God to hear you right now because he's willing and he's able to hear your prayer. He wants to hear from you. He wants us to be unified together in the mighty name of Jesus. Let's just lift the prayer right now. Let's just lift the prayer right now before the Lord. Lord, we thank you. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, we bless you. Hallelujah, God. Thank you for the unity. Thank you for the unity, God. Thank you for a new day. Hallelujah. We thank you, God. Thank you for a new day, God. Thank you for a calling on this church. Hallelujah. Lord God, you're able. You're able, Lord God. You're able. We trust you. We trust you, Lord God. We thank you. Those that wait upon you, God, will renew their strength. Renew their strength, God. Renew hope, God. Mm. Yes, we come against that spirit of hopelessness in Jesus' name. Despondency, we call you out in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus, those that are backslidden, we call them back in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father God, for new mercy. You said us of the Lord's mercies that we're not consumed because your compassions fail not. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Thank you for the word of the Lord coming a second time to our loved ones, Lord God. Thank you for your forgiveness by the blood. A second opportunity, a second opportunity in the name of Jesus. New mercies, God, we thank you. 
in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. A little bit longer than we're going to formally pray. In the name of Jesus, we thank you for bondages being broken. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God, for grace. Grace, 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 grace in Jesus' name. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Lord God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, in the name of Jesus, you said, if my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, you will hear from heaven. You will forgive their sin and heal the land. We formally ask you, Lord God, in Jesus' name, to perform that for us, Lord God. We understand that our nation is full of rebellion, Lord God, and, and, and wickedness, but we ask that we, your ecclesia, Lord God, would turn our hearts towards you once again, Lord God. Then we would turn our hearts towards our brothers and sisters to love, Lord God, without dissimulation. We join our faith one with another, Lord God. Every need that's represented here, Lord God, starting with our pastors, Lord God, to keep them in health, Lord God, to keep them in strength, Lord God, to refresh them, Lord God. We hold up their hands in spirit today, Lord God, in the mighty name of Jesus. We rebuke every force of darkness that is coming against them in the name of Jesus. And Father, because we know we're standing with them, Lord God, we join our faith with our brothers and sisters this morning in the name of Jesus, we stand for their households. We stand for their lives, Lord God. We stand for their restoration, Lord God. Hopelessness that has tried to be projected towards any in our family line. We rebuke that today in the name of Jesus. We thank you, Lord God. Your word declares, why art thou cast down on my soul? And why art thou disquieted within me? Hope thou in God, for I shall yet praise him who's the health of my countenance in my God. Thank you for being the healer, Lord God. We're standing for all those who have been put on the prayer list, Lord God. We're standing for those prayer requests that have not been spoken, Lord God, that the people who are here, Lord God, are uttering before you right now in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. And we take authority over the spirit of legalism. We're the ecclesia of God Almighty. We follow behind Jesus. The voice of the stranger, we will not follow. We refuse to walk out of love. We refuse to disobey God's word. Thank you for the men rallying together, Lord God. Thank you for the women rallying together. Thank you for the teens and the children rallying together, Lord God. All of us being in unity in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. You brought Israel out of Egypt, and your word declares that there was not a sick and feeble one among them, Lord God. We're asking for that grace to manifest for all that have need of healing this morning in Jesus' name. Touch those that are not here, Lord God. Touch those that are said to have something incurable, but your word declares that you are the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for you? Oh, clap your hands, all oh, you people. Shout out to God with the voice of triumph. Thank you for putting the enemy to flight, Lord God. We make a covenant commitment today to stay in love with you and with each other. May this church be a beacon in this community. May they sense the presence of God and the love of God when they come in. May they be encouraged to grow in the grace of Jesus Christ. And legalism is kicked to the curb in the name of Jesus. 
Everybody in agreement, say amen and clap your hands. Hallelujah. 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 Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord. Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. Victory. 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 Victory for our young people today, Lord God. Keep the grace of God over them. Let them be as Joseph to run from immorality, to keep themselves sanctified before you, God. 